Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter five. If you're just joining us this morning, we've been in a sermon series we're looking at, we're studying um, Jesus's longest sermon recorded in the Gospels. So we've been working our way through this chapter in, in chapter five and then in six as well, but we still find ourselves in chapter five and we find ourselves in verses 38 to 42. And who is Jesus talking to in this section? Well, he's talking to his disciples, true disciples. He's talking to people who are following him and him alone. People who have placed their trust and faith in him. People who say that we are part of his kingdom and we acknowledge his kingship. We acknowledge his lordship. We submit our will to him. We follow him. We pursue him. So that's who is he talking to. And we find ourselves in this little section in verses 38 to 42. I'll read it for us on page 810 in the Pewback Bible in front of you if you don't have a Bible. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. That's an interesting phrase, right? Do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Verse 40. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. If you remember Jesus at the beginning of chapter five, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he goes through the Beatitudes. And one of the Beatitudes that he mentions is an interesting Beatitude. Um, I think it's quite interesting for us, as particularly in our culture. And in fact, I'll mention in a little bit, particularly interesting for us um, as a church in Akron, Jesus says in the Beatitudes, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Now, that's easier said than done, right? It's easier to say, hey, you ought to be merciful to others or someone. But, but why is Jesus saying that? Well, because he's often talking to the person, right, who's been wronged, right? Like, if someone has wronged you, if someone has hurt you personally, it is a lot easier to say, hey, listen, I, I want you to hurt as much as I hurt. You need to feel what I feel. When I was a kid in the Bronx, when we used to play St. Anthony School, it's no longer there anymore, small little Catholic school. Imagine little Timmy. My mom took me out of public school. I was in public school because I was a great kid. <laughs> took me out of public school because um, it was rough. I had a rough time, often got in fights. Um, and they put me in Catholic school. Catholic school was just right across the street from the public school. The only difference is the entrance was on the other side of the block, not on this side. It was weird. So little Timmy in his little 
maroon jacket that said St. Anthony's, little tie, white shirt, gray pants. Timmy would play in the yard of the school. And you know what guys do, we horse around and we have something to prove. So if someone punched Timmy, Timmy punched them back. Can I tell you a story? You ready? So Timmy did something really bad one time. Timmy was in seventh grade. <laughs> and I was in class and, you know, I was, a, I was an ornery kid. And then I was always uncomfortable because they always made me sit. I'm left-handed, so they would always make me sit in the right-handed seat. And the desks that we had were like these wooden small desks that the desk swung out right, and then you put your books underneath. Well, I'm left-handed, so I always have to do this. Anyway, so they made fun of me because I was left-handed. Then there was this one kid. One kid, he always wanted to pick on me, and I was never one, I didn't, I didn't like to, I don't like to be picked on, but I always let it go because I, like, I go zero to a hundred real quick, right? Like, I, like, I don't start at one, I, like, start at a hundred, and I don't stop, right? So, this kid um, talked about my mother. And I said, oh, man. You don't talk about my mother. So Timmy did what any normal person would do, right? And I was a bigger kid then. The kid was a lot smaller and thinner. So what would anyone do, right? You would, you would think they would just, just say something about his mother. But Timmy didn't. Timmy decided that he wanted to pound on this kid with his fist. Now, I'm, you're la I'm not advocating for violence for those of you who are like, oh my gosh, he's advocating for violence. I'm sending him an email right now. <laughs> Just hit delete. I'm not advocating for violence. So then Timmy beats up on this little kid. And the way we did it was, um, at that time, the teachers used to switch when they taught a different class, English or whatever, they would switch but the teachers always liked a little chit chat in the hallway. So they needed like that extra five minutes. So we just did something for five minutes. So I just pounded on a kid with my fist. Um, and, and then we went back and it was fine. I remember it happened on a Monday. Nothing happened. Wednesday comes. Now, Timmy's in middle school in those days. You kids who are in middle school, you have a luxury. A bus picks you up or your mom and dad drop you off in New York City. You got on the train, right? Kids got on the train, or like me, you just walked to school. So this is sixth grade, I'm walking to school. And I'm at school, everything's fine. It's a Wednesday and I'm walking back. And when you grow up in New York City, you grow up with this like sixth sense. You, you have an idea of like, you know, you, you read people's body language, you read, you read their pace of walking. You can tell that people, like what's happening. You can tell, I, like there's some, I don't know about it, but there's something I can, you can read people really well in New York City. So I'm walking, and usually we walk with my friends, and everyone starts going to their own houses. And then I typically am the, I'm the last person with my friend Mark. Mark went to his grandfather's house, who lived right next to um, a couple of houses down the street. Well, this time, Mark wasn't walking with me, but we all go. We're walking, and everyone goes to their houses. And I'm walking by myself, and I see a guy standing at the pole. And I already knew. I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. I already knew. You feel it. My heart is beating out of my chest. And what I do is I, I'm walking on the street and then I decide that I'm going to not walk in front of his path. I'm going to walk 
to the side. So I'm gonna hug the building, meaning like there's a building wall and the houses and they have these concrete walls. So I'm just gonna walk. He's over here. I'm gonna walk as far as away because whatever he's gonna do, he's gonna have to like do it like on this side so I can see him. But then I decided, no, I'm gonna cross the street. So I get close enough and then I cross the street and then he comes behind me and he grabs me. Now this is like, I think he was like 20 something years old. He grabs me and he starts beating me up. Picks me up. And he pulls me against the, the pole. Um, and he's choking me. I didn't realize that his, he had the car right there. And in the seat of the passenger seat that was all the way back was his little brother. Who was his little brother? The guy that I got in a fight with on that Monday. And he cursed me out. He said a bunch of things. And he tells his little brother. And his brother's crying because obviously... His brother knows what's going on. He's not doing anything. And he's telling his brother, punch him in the face. Punch him in the face. I'm in middle school. I'm like this. I think I was in sixth or seventh, in seventh grade. I know, it was, I know it wasn't eighth grade. It was, I think, seventh grade. So I'm like trying to get off. But remember, I'm wearing a jacket, a, a tie, and a shirt. So he has me here. He's pulling me up. This guy's a strong guy. I'm a little kid. Um, he beats up on me a little bit, and then he wants his little brother to beat up on me. His brother won't do it. So what ends up happening is I end, he ends up like loosening up his grip, and I just like go. I run, but then he's ripping my clothes off. It so happens that one of the moms there that was picking up her daughter was going down that street. She was in a car. She stops, and she's yelling at him to let me go. So I go. He starts chasing me around the car. I'm jumping into the back seat, and then he t he's trying to grab me, but then he can't because all my body is in besides my leg. So what he does is he slams the door on my leg, and then, yeah, oh, yeah. So, so adrenaline's pumping. I don't feel it, so I go home and whatever. I end up getting suspended because I got in a fight with the kid. What's the, what's the whole point? What, what was the goal of the older brother? The goal of the older brother was to, to, to get revenge for what I did to his little brother, right? I messed with his little brother, so he wasn't going to let his little brother, you know, just like be on defend, non-defended. Like he's going to take care of what, what his brother could not do. So, so his brother was bigger, stronger. He was in his 20s. I, I think my mom was going to, um, I was more worried about what my mom's going to do to him than the cops were going to do. Um, there's something about Hispanic women. I'm telling you, like, they're like, they're already, anyway, I'm not going to say anything because if she's watching... Hispanic women are, are wonderful, but man, they, something about the blood that it starts boiling. Um, so what, what was the, what's the point, right? What did, what did he want to do? He wanted to get revenge. He wanted to hurt me more than how I hurt his little brother, right? He wanted me to, to feel more hurt and pain than his little brother did. What do we call that? We call that revenge, right? We call that retaliation. What is Jesus saying in this passage? Jesus is saying in this passage, right, that, that we should not in any way, in no circumstance, seek personal vengeance. We ought not to seek 
personal retaliation to people who have hurt us, people who have done evil to us. And that is super hard. It, oftentimes, we think about it in our flesh, doesn't make sense. Why? Because we often want justice for, for what people have done to us, right? So, so we want people to pay for what they did to us. So, so the way in our minds, the way we rationalize that is that we want them to hurt as much as they hurt us. Like that saying says, hurting people what? Hurt people. And Jesus is radically changing the way we think about how we retaliate. Jesus is saying, hey, you as a citizen of this kingdom, you as someone who is a true follower of Jesus, has no business seeking personal revenge or personal retaliation to anyone who has hurt you. Jesus is reminding us that we ought to have mercy on people who do not deserve mercy. And that's super hard because, because in our hearts, we don't want to forgive people who have hurt us. In our hearts, we don't want to forgive people who have sinned. And Jesus is saying is this, you ought to show mercy to people who have sinned against you and who have offended you. Why? Because you were the first sinner. Jesus is saying, if you can't forgive someone else, how, how are you able to stand before me and ask for my forgiveness? Because you have you have decided that in your heart to be the jury judge of that person's life. You have decided in your heart, right, that you are far more righteous than they are, therefore you are in the right to withhold mercy to them. And Jesus is saying, that's not how Christians operate. Christians extend mercy and forgiveness to everyone over and over and over again. When do you stop? You never stop. Why? Why don't we stop? Why don't, we, why don't we stop forgiving and extending mercy to other people? Why not? Because he extends mercy to us. What does Lamentation say? Lamentation says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Check this part out. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every single morning. Jesus is telling us this morning by this passage through the Timmy translation, get your act together. Be merciful to other people. And not just merciful. What is mercy? Mercy, this is a, a, a good definition of mercy that I've heard before. Mercy is to withhold back punishment that someone deserves. That's mercy. It's to hold back punishment that someone deserves. So what does that mean in our context in this passage? It means that the people who have hurt us, people who have sinned against us, our response to people's hurt, our response to people's sin against us is what? Holding back the punishment that they, that they, that they deserve or the punishment that we think they deserve. I think of our city now. We all know. You've seen the news. There's a trial. Jalen Walker. And there's a lot of civil unrest. To be honest with you, I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. 
because on one hand, you look at the politicians and they have no desire for reconciliation or making things right. Their desire is how can we make this situation benefit our pockets and our influence and power? And then the people in our community are so blind to see that that's their, that's their work. So they align themselves to them. I, I don't know what to say or do, but here's what I do know. I do know that we need to pray for our city and we need to extend mercy and grace to people even when it's difficult and hard to do. I don't know what the right answer is in all this. I don't know what the right issue is, but here's what I do know. I do know is that the solution to the problems of our city isn't a system or a process. It isn't like personal vengeance and retaliation because in our city there are people here who are wanting to destroy our community also because they think that an injustice has been done. That is not the solution, right? The solution is to destroy our city. But you know what is the solution? The solution is Jesus. And you're sitting there, you're like, no, they, we need to do more. No, 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 no. This is the problem, we've done more. Like, look where, look where, we, look where we at. Look at, look at the, the, the good works that we have done in our lives, in our community, in our city, in our country. Look at where we at. We've done this. So don't tell me we need to do more. What we need to do is show people love. We need to show people grace and mercy. And we need to show people that Jesus is the better, better answer. Now, how we do those things, I don't know. I know we can say it, but I, I don't know what action we need to take but what we do need to do is pray. We need to pray for our city. We need to pray for our law enforcement. We need to pray for our mayor, our councilmen. We need to pray for them, that they would be washed in wisdom, that they would be washed in good, sound judgment. Why? Because Jesus put them over us. You may not agree with their politics, but you have to agree that God ordained them to be the leaders. Listen, I'm a political buff. I love politics. I have no personal problem telling you my opinion about politics. And sometimes I look at politics and I wonder what is happening to our country. And the solution is not viewing each other as the enemy. The solution is not aligning yourself to one political party or one ideology. The solution is as a church is to respond with the gospel. And I know that sounds trivial to you, but let me tell you something, the gospel has done more work throughout the centuries than us trying to figure out in our own good works how to fix the problems of our world. So Jesus here is telling us, right, the response to, to what's happening in our city isn't retaliation. It isn't to burn down the, bidding, the buildings. It isn't to create strife and division. It isn't, it isn't to scare people. Like, we shouldn't be in a community afraid to walk on the sidewalk or to walk in our community. It shouldn't be fearful for our students at the University of Akron who are there to study, to, to be worrying about their own personal safety. That's not the solution. It's not personal retaliation. What Jesus is saying, the solution to the problems is mercy. And that is a tough pill to swallow. It's hard because we want justice. And Jesus is saying, hey, what about my justice? Wasn't I crucified wrongly? Wasn't I persecuted wrongly? 
What do you mean your justice? What do you mean your personal vendetta? What do you mean about your retaliation? Jesus is showing us is that we have, we have no claims. As citizens of the kingdom, have no claims. He's saying, let it go. And I'm not saying, this is what Jesus is not saying. When Jesus says, look at verse 39, the very end. When Jesus says, do not resist the one who is evil, Jesus is not implying that we should allow evil to run rapid in our community, in our society. Jesus isn't saying that we are to allow evilness and wrongdoing to continue to grow and expand in our culture, in our world. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't stand for injustices. Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't, we shouldn't, we should keep silent about bad moral practices of our government or bad moral practices of our community. What Jesus is saying here when he says, do not resist the person who has done evil to you. Jesus is saying, do not seek personal retaliation to a person who has wronged you. Because he quotes a law in Leviticus chapter 24. And what ended up happening in Jesus' time, the religious leaders and the people of Jesus' time used and twisted the law to imply, oh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth means that I am allowed to execute judgment on someone else's life. So if they've done something to me, I'm going to do something to them. Right? Like, like little Timmy in middle school. He beat up on my little brother. I'm going to beat him up worse. That is wrong. Jesus is saying, you have misinterpreted the law. And in fact, the law wasn't for personal justice. The law was for the leaders of Israel, the, the judges of Israel, to make sure that the law was fair and balanced for its people. Right? The purpose of the law in Leviticus was for the religious leaders of Jesus, of not Jesus' time, of the Old Testament, to remind them that the punishment should fit the crime. But it wasn't meant for us to say, oh, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Now let me go seek out my own justice. Jesus is saying, no. You've misinterpreted the law. So what does Jesus mean? Well, he says, we shouldn't, we shouldn't seek out personal vengeance or retaliation. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't publicly talk about injustices in our world. I love what John Stott says. He says, our duty to individuals who wrong us is not retaliation, but the acceptance of injustice without revenge. That is a difficult quote. It means that the person who sinned against you personally, the person who insulted you, the person who said bad things about you, the person who hurt your feelings, the person who has caused strife in your life, the person who has made you anxious and fearful about hard conversations, the argument, the anger, the frustration in that situation. Jesus is saying, let it go. And I'm not saying here this morning that's the easy thing to do. In fact, that's the hardest thing to do, right? The easy thing to do is to, is to seek personal revenge and to seek retaliation. That's the easy thing to do because in our mind, we can rationalize the reason. The harder thing to do is say, Jesus, I don't know how you're going to fix this situation, but they need mercy and I need grace. They need mercy for what they did to me, but I need grace to not put my hands on them. 
and claw them out, right? Like, I love what Jesus says, right? When he says, uh, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, look at verse 39. Is it 39? Yes. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Um, this is not Jesus is saying, hey, if someone decides to slap you in the face, let them keep slapping you. Like if you're firm, if you're like me, you often think, if you try to slap me, I dare you to see what happens, right? Like, but, but what Jesus is actually saying, he's not talking about physical violence. That's not what he's talking about in this. What Jesus is talking about, insults. That was the way they communicated about insults. And Jesus is saying, hey, if someone uses words to insult you, to defame or malign your character, Jesus says, let them keep doing it. I'm reminded of that little saying, which is not necessarily true, but I understand the principle, right? Sticks and stones may break my, but words will never. Well, it's not true. Words do hurt. Words hurt. People use words to hurt people. <laughs> so they do hurt. But, but, but the principle that I think we need to think about that and the principle that Jesus is showing us here is this is that if people personally insult you, you should not allow your identity be wrapped up in what people say. Who you are, your character, has nothing to do with what people say about you. Who you are and your character has everything to do of who Christ is and what he's done and accomplished in you by the power of his spirit, right? Does, do you see that? Jesus is showing us that our identity is not wrapped up in what people say about us. So we shouldn't care what they say. Now that doesn't mean, and he doesn't promise in this verse, it's not going to hurt. Because he's not talking about hurt, but what he's going to say is, right, that if they insult you, allow them to insult you. Let him figure out the hurt and the pain that you feel. Let them keep talking. And that also includes words that we put on Facebook. Right? Oftentimes we are passive aggressive. We don't want to confront people with words, but we sure like to talk to them about what they're doing or who they are on Facebook. Here's a word of advice for older people in our congregation. You don't have to share the thing you're sharing on Facebook. No one really cares. And the people who do care are there people who are going to incite problems and issues with you? Right? Like, like if people insult you, you don't have to insult them back on Facebook. Your 100 or 200 followers don't actually really care. Right? Like, no, no, I'm being serious. Like, I know that sounds hard, but like, like you, you don't have to share what you're thinking all the time on Facebook. Why? Because your identity and character is not wrapped up in who people think you are. You are not part of this world. You are not part of this culture. You are part of a citizen, you are part of a kingdom of God. Right? So the stuff that's happening in our culture, remember, we're just passing through. So, so what you're bent out of shape about, let it go. And that includes Twitter and every other social media device that you use. 
I love verse 32. It says, if anyone would sue you, take your tunic and let him take your cloak as well. This is referring to court cases, right? This is referring to if someone sues you. What is Jesus saying? He says, go above and beyond what you need to go above and beyond with. Why? To show people how remorseful and sorry you are. If you owe people money, you should give them the money back. And maybe even give them a little bit more to just show them how sorry you are or how grateful you are. Or another principle about this is this, right? Like if, if, if there's something between you and someone else and, and you have a responsibility and duty to that person, Jesus is saying this, that whatever you have to do to accomplish your word, to, to, to whatever obligation you have, you should meet it and go above beyond what you need to meet. Why? Because a true citizen of Jesus, a true follower of Jesus, goes an extra mile. And for the record, right, I want you to think of Jesus' trial. What, what happened in Jesus' trial when they mocked him and beat him in Matthew chapter 26? What does the Bible say? The Bible said he kept silent. Look what else Jesus is telling us in verse 41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. What does this mean? Does this mean if someone kidnaps me, then I ought to go with them? No. Here, here's the idea. In, in Jesus' time and in ancient times, um, the government, the, the empire, the ruling authority had a a known law or a common law, meaning it probably wasn't a book somewhere, but it was understood by everyone that, hey, if, if our government or leader or, or whoever's in charge over you, who has authority over you, if they ask you to do something, you do it. And not only is Jesus saying you do it, Jesus is saying, hey, do more. So a good principle about this is if you're serving in the church, and you give up your time and energy, this, this is how you should serve, with great gratitude, with great cheerfulness, contentment, and love, and going above and beyond what you have to do. This means at the workplace, right? When they, when they ask you to do something, to be on time, you're on time, you stay longer, you, you maybe do more work than you're supposed to do work. Why? Because you're showing them who? You're showing them Jesus. You're showing them how Jesus would go above and beyond what he has to offer, right? And hasn't Jesus done that for us? Jesus didn't have to die for us. He didn't have to pay the price for you and me, but he did it anyway. And on top of that, like he goes above and beyond, right? So he died for us. He gives us new life. And then guess what he does? He lavishes us with every spiritual blessing, meaning he gives us his spirit in us to transform us, to lead us into sanctification. And guess what? He doesn't stop there. He gives you the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. He gives you everything you need to be a good and right citizen in his kingdom. He goes above and beyond. So if he goes above and beyond. Jesus saying, go above and beyond. Right? This is the idea we get, go an extra mile. So much of our culture, right? So much of our culture today says, just do the bare minimum. We don't owe anything to them. They owe us. We've done this. We've done that. Do the bare minimum. No, Jesus said, it's, it's counterintuitive. Jesus is saying, no, 
give more. You have more time, give more time. You have more energy, give more energy. You have more resources, give more resources. You have more wisdom, give more. He's like, give it, keep giving, keep giving. Why? Because he's done that for us. So in ancient times, they would say, hey, if they required you to do something, you ought to do it. Think of the, the story at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. This is a picture of this. Think of Simon of Cyrene. What does the Roman soldier, when Jesus is carrying the cross down the Via de la Rosa, what does the Roman soldier tell Simon? Pick up his cross and carry it. You notice that the gospel doesn't say he argued with the Roman soldier. You notice that like, it's not even talking about like, why would he even do that? But we know the reason why he did that because that was a common practice. When the leaders and authorities ask you to do something, you do it, right? If, if you had to carry a Roman soldier's equipment and gear, you carried it. Jesus is saying, carry it a mile. That was a rule in the Roman Empire. You carried it a mile. Jesus is saying, go the extra mile. That's why Simon, in the end of the gospel, actually carries Jesus' cross because it was a common law. Jesus is telling us that we are compelled to do what our leaders and authority have told us to do. And that means if we got to pay our taxes, we got to pay. Amen? Ooh. Ooh, we touched a good subject. This is the week, right? If, if our government says that we ought to pay taxes, we should do it, right? Amen? You can grind your teeth. I'll let you do that at least because I'm grinding my teeth too, right? Because you wonder what they're using the money for. Um, Surely it isn't to make themselves millionaire, right? It's just odd that the vast majority of people in Congress are multimillionaires, but no big deal. Anyway, sorry. Uh, no big deal, right? It's okay. We're not mad that they're able to invest in the stock market in ways that we cannot. They're good people. <laughs> Listen, when you're in a place of leadership you're allowed to be made fun of, um, as long as you're not a pastor. Anyway, um, <laughs> last verse, 42. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Jesus is not talking about, hey, every time you see a beggar on the street who wants money for crack cocaine, you ought to give them money. That's not what Jesus is saying. You, you, don't, you don't give money for bad habits that are contrary to your moral and ethics that Jesus says they're not good, right? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't honor the Lord with your resources. So that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about every time somebody comes to ask for money and say and to borrow money, you should give them money. That's not what he's saying. This is, this is what Jesus is showing us. He's showing us hyperbole. What he wants us to see, hey, listen, how tightly do you hold your possessions? And are you willing to give them up? Right? Jesus is concerned about how tightly we own our possessions, what we own, our materialism. And Jesus is saying, you ought to hold it loosely. You ought to be generous. You ought to lavish people with generosity 
the people who do not have. And if you do not have, there's some that you can give, right? There are people who don't have financial resources to get to the church or to give to good works, but surely you have hands and feet. You can come serve. If you do have financial resources to give, then you ought to give. Jesus is showing us, hey, I want you to be generous without any conditions. I want you to give up the thing that you hold so tightly so that you can see him work in you. It could be finances, it could be money, it could be resources, it can be time and energy. Last point that I wanna make. Why shouldn't we seek personal retaliation? I'm gonna hit the nail on the head one more time because this is the thing I struggle with. I am well aware, like I tell you all the time, I am well aware of my sin. You don't have to tell me what I struggle with. You don't have to tell me the bad things I've done. I, I am well aware of, of all the things, trust me. The, my past haunts me enough every single day. But I have to constantly remind myself, and you have to constantly remind yourself that the God who was gracious and loving and kind towards you by rescuing you out of the muck and the mire, placing you into his marvelous light, giving you his spirit so that you can walk a new life with him is the same God that expects you to extend grace and mercy to people who you believe do not deserve it. And that is different from the rest of the world because the rest of the world is crying out justice, justice, justice. And Jesus is saying this, mercy, mercy, mercy. So, so the reason why you shouldn't seek personal retaliation and the reason why you should forgive other people, like I said at the very beginning and what Jesus is driving at here this morning for us is you should extend mercy because he was merciful to you first. How dare me and you and I'm preaching to myself, not extend grace and mercy to other people because they hurt you. When you and I, with Adam and Eve, sinned against God, when you and I, with the rest of them, were saying, crucify him, he's given us grace and mercy even to this point. We should do the same. So why? So that the Beatitudes can be alive and well in us. Blessed are those who are merciful for they shall receive mercy. It's a lot easier to give mercy and receive it back than it is to hold on to the sin and the hardship. And like I said, it, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It just means that it's the better thing that God wants you to do. Let's pray. Father God, we ask you in the name of Jesus that you, O oh Lord, would make us merciful to other people who have hurt us. And whatever hurts and pains we feel by other people, whether in the church, in our family, in our community, God, would you show us ways to be merciful and kind and loving and gracious to them? Because we're reminded of how loving and gracious and kind you've been to us. God, when we're feeling the sense of personal retaliation, would you remind us, O oh Lord, that your plan is better your plan to extend mercy and grace to people who have hurt us is better than holding on to the grudge, holding on to the pain, and seeking our own personal justice. Forgive us, O oh Lord. And I pray for our city. I pray, Lord, that you would hold back the people who have come into this area, who are not part of our community, to build up strife and division. 
and to stir up trouble, I pray, God, that you would, you would get them out. And I pray, O oh Lord, in, in this situation, I don't, I don't know what the right thing is, Lord. And I know there's many facts, and people who are far, who are far smarter than me know the, the truth, God. I just, I just hurt for a family who's lost their son. And I hurt for our police department who day in and day out sacrifice their own lives to protect many of us. God, I don't know what the right thing is, God, but surely you do. Would you bring peace into our city? We pray this in the name of Jesus and the people of God say. This has been a message from the chapel in Akron, Ohio. Thanks for joining us today. Our Sunday morning services are at 9 and 1040 a.m. You can join us online for our services by going to akronlive.thechapel.life. For more information about the chapel, please visit our website at thechapel.life.